Welcome to the King's Church Warrington podcast. Inspirational teaching from our Sunday celebrations. So we're in this um, series as, as you go. So we're looking at as we go with Jesus, what's he teaching us? So today we're specifically looking at hospitality. So um, hospitality probably draws a few things to mind. So if we can go to the next one. Um, yeah, so some of you might have images like this in mind, these um, retro images here, but these ideas of like fancy, posh dinners, maybe where you're hosting all these lovely people and nobody says anything rude and uh, nobody dribbles chocolate sauce out of their mouth and everybody's very polite and then you say goodbye by eight o'clock and it's all done. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you've got in mind, to be honest, of hospitality. But sometimes it's this very formal idea about being the perfect host or the perfect hostess um, and being very hospitable to people. Um, well, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't actually have a matching tea set. I don't have doilies. I'm not very good. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very good at being um, like the perfect hostess all the time. So if this is hospitality, and if this is what God's asking us to do, it kind of discounts an awful lot of us, um, because I'm assuming I'm not the only one that feels a bit inferior about things like that. So what we're going to look at today is sort of what is hospitality from God's perspective? How does the Bible teach us about hospitality? Um, As a child, or you're all going to get to meet my parents in a few weeks, if you've not already, because they're moving up to Warrington, and they're going to be part of King's Church, which is exciting. Um, and they're lovely, my mum and dad, and I can never now say anything bad about them, can I? Because they're going to be here. Um, but as a child, I grew up in a family um, where we often hosted people, because they were ministers of a church. We often hosted people who were coming to speak at the church, or missionaries, or I don't know, somebody. Um, and so my mum was really good at that, actually. She made the best roast potatoes that anybody can ever make. And they always came out when we were hosting. She actually had a really proper posh tea set and loads of Port Miriam dishes. Does anybody else know a bit of Port Miriam? Beautiful, flowery things. Really special. She showed me, she taught me when I was younger, about how to look after people, how to make people feel comfortable, um, you know, what, how to give them space, you know, like not, not crowd people, because apparently I was one of those kids that would just be at somebody's ankles all the time. So she, you know, don't crowd them, give them space. So she tried to teach me about being a hostess. Um, <clears throat> but what, one of the things that she really classed as important wasn't so much the Port Miriam dishes and the matching tea set, but it was actually the heart attitude and her motivation for providing the space. And I don't actually remember anybody leaving our house talking about Port Miriam dishes or tea sets or even roast potatoes, but they did talk about the love that they felt and how they felt nurtured and how they really appreciated the fact that they were able to encounter God in that space. So for me growing up, my mum did her best, bless her, to teach me how to be a hostess. I think some of it may have (laughs) seeped in. Um, But the biggest thing that made an impact on me was this heart attitude of hosting. Um, So hospitality is actually the act of just creating space in your life. For somebody else or other people, it's not about being perfect. We've got, I was going to bring it in and I haven't. But you know the banner we've got, no perfect people allowed. 
that is so important for this message on hospitality. Because it's not about being perfect. It's not about having all the creature comforts, even having a home. You don't have to have a home to be hospitable. It's not about being a certain class. It's not about being middle class. or um, And it's not about trying to be something you're not. It's just about being you, who you are, who God's made you to be, and creating space in your life for other people. So whoever you are and whatever situation you're in, you've got the opportunity to show some hospitality to others. So that's it, done. Uh, No, I better use the Bible and stuff, so we'll do that. Um, So we're going to look at what the Bible says about hospitality. Oh, now you're going to notice that this handout today is slightly different, possibly, to normal. Um, So the idea was, I hope it'll work, the idea is that this is going to help you to actually customise your own notes. So we're going to explore this topic together, and then um, whatever God is revealing to you, because I'm sure when you come out of um, church services, often when you talk to somebody in in the drinks bit it feels like you've maybe been listening to different preachers because you've got different things you know God talks to us about from where we're at doesn't he so the idea here is is to allow you to write down what God's revealing to you there's also some questions on there that you could answer while you're listening um, or they could help you when you go into missional households and missional communities this week to form some discussion so that's up to you freedom okay so I know loads of us are dead familiar with this triangle. Is, the, is that the next one? Yeah, there we go. Right, so this triangle, the up, in, and out. I know loads of us have seen this before, but I'll just give a brief explanation. And I didn't write that thing. So we'll just look at Luke 6. Verse 12. Uh, Now, during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now... Oh yeah, he, he came down to them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. So that passage shows us that Jesus was interested in the relationship with the Father first off. He went off and had that personal space with God. He then had time with his disciples, so the community of believers. And then he also had space with people who hadn't yet discovered the truth of God. And he um, he revealed God and the truth to them. So the idea of this triangle is to help us remember that, that in our daily lives, we need to make sure that we have this balance, that we balance our relationship with God, our relationship with others, so the community of believers, the church, and also out to look at mission and to bring God to people who don't yet know him. So we're going to use this as a tool today to help us explore hospitality. Um, Right, so if we start off with the up 
point. Was it the best one? Uh, So Genesis 2, verse 4 to 8 says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there were no one to work the ground. Is anybody confused yet about why this is hospitality? I promise we'll get to tea sets. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Okay, so a lot of you will know this story too. Um, But if you know, God chose to breathe life into this man whom he just created. He's imparting his life. He's creating a new being out of that. Now, I reckon that breath probably tasted better than the poshest cup of tea you could get at Harrods. That was real giving of quality, giving of himself from God to us. And then he placed Adam into the garden that he had created. So he had created this perfect space and placed Adam into it and gave him a role. So his role was to steward, to look after the, the creation. So it's a perfect example of hospitality. He provided a space and he gave of himself to Adam. So when we think about hospitality, we know that God did that for us. So whatever God models, we know that that's a great place for us to start when we're looking at at how to do things. Okay, now John 3.16. See, there's nothing brand new in what I'm telling you. These are all things that you've probably heard a thousand times. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now this shows us that absolutely nobody is excluded from this invitation. So God is inviting us into his home. So where it says there we'll have eternal life. That is eternity with God in his home that he's created. That's an incredible invitation. And nobody is excluded. But also notice the motivation from God here is love. For God so loved the world. It's amazing to look at God's perfect example of how to treat others. That it's motivated by love. Now, I know there's loads of reasons why we might be motivated to invite people into our homes or to create space in our lives for other people. And, you know, when we do that, sometimes we can have a really nice time with other people. It can be, it can be great. Um, you can invite people into, like, going to the park or whatever, and you can have a great time having fun. But when your motivation isn't God's motivation, when it doesn't come from a heart of love, um, there's no kingdom relevance to that does that make sense so unless we are open in the same space to God and to his heart of love it's losing a bit of power Uh, so remember that love is what it's all about and God is what hospitality is all about so I'm I'm obviously not going to teach you about John Lewis napkins and doilies and things like that 
But we're here to just explore how can we be more like God? How can we invite God into these spaces? So John 3.16 reveals the heart of the whole Bible. So God loved, he made a plan, and we can have a hope and a future. If you haven't taken the step yet to accept that invitation from God, um, it's, it's available, it doesn't run out, it's available today, it's available tomorrow, um, and that opportunity brings so much freedom and life, I would really encourage you to consider it. Okay, so we'll move on to the up part of this triangle. Um, so, oh, this, we are still in the up part of the triangle. Um, so the up part of this triangle isn't a, a, a two, isn't a one-way relationship, it's two-way. So the idea here isn't that we just say, okay, God, I will follow your invitation and I will be invited into your space. It's about inviting God into yours. And we've got that incredible privilege, haven't we, um, that we can create space for God. And he actually comes and embodies that space. Uh, it's amazing. I know loads of you guys here today have, have, in, in, have experienced that, where you've invited God in and you've seen him move. Like Grace's story this morning, how incredible was that? She said, God, I'm in, I'm in pain like I can't, like I never imagined. I want you to come in and impact my life. And he did. And that testimony is so powerful. And it's real. It's real for you today. It's real for Grace. It's, it's not exclusive. It's... God promises that he'll pour out his glory and we just need to create space and ask him in. Uh, we also heard at the picnic and praise last week, was that last week? Um, Julie's testimony where she made herself available, created a space at the baptism and said, God, you know what? I'm not going to just sort of sit to one side. I'm going to say yes to your invitation and I'm going to create a space in my evening in this moment, and I'm going to choose to get baptized. I'm going to choose to make that public commitment um, of my of my love for you. And then he's taken her on this journey to the testimony she was sharing last week. It was amazing to see that you you say yes to to God, and then he he transforms you sometimes in ways you didn't actually foresee happening. Um, I'm not going to read this pe- passage out to you, but John 15 talks about uh, God's invitation to abide with Him about Jesus being the vine and we're the branches. Um, and the fruit in our lives comes from that. So it's when we are prepared to line our hearts up, open ourselves up to the authority of Jesus, that he brings incredible fruit. Okay, so now we'll move on to the in corner. So let's have a look at uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 3. Okay. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And then Titus 1, 7 to 8 says, Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, 
one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So here we can see two different passages that teach the church how anyone in any form of leadership should behave. Now this isn't just to sort of restrict who could be a leader, but it's actually to protect the church. It's to make sure that the church isn't hurt. And it's also to protect leaders from, um, from temptation and from damage themselves. These characteristics also ensure that the body of Christ will be um, really led well and, and will, will progress. So remember, God describes the church as the bride. And so he really wants us to walk well together. He wants us to go from strength to strength not hurting or diminishing each other. It's like Grace was saying, I'm going to keep referring to you, because when you were talking, I just kept saying, oh yeah, that fits in there, and that fits in there. <laughs> but Grace was saying, you know, she's, she was in a really hurt position, and her husband came alongside her and said, I, my desire is for you to be strong. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what I can to facilitate you getting stronger. God wants us as a church to be strong. He wants us to be growing not stagnating. He wants us to be going into what he has for us. So that's why he gives these, these rules. So hospitality is noted in both of these sections. Um, and it's a way that anyone in leadership can build up the church and that they can pass on the love. Remember, we've said that it's the love which is the motivating force, that heart attitude of love behind the acts of hospitality. So if leaders are doing that, it builds up the whole body. So if you have any form of leadership in the church, this is a great way for you to really be building up those people around you. But this isn't just for leaders. So Romans 12, verse 9 to 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And if you look at that scripture, actually, it's really good to show all three corners. So I could have put that in for all three. Um, but the, again, it starts with emphasizing love. And then it brings it to the act, practicing hospitality. It comes from that place of love. And then 1 Peter 4, 7 to 9. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I think I've just gone a bit scouse then. Hold on. <clears throat> yeah, so I was like, ah. uh, okay, so again, we're looking at love leading to hospitality and I love that thing about not grumbling because you know if we're honest I think we've all probably done that a little bit um you know you offer hospitality with this idea of I'm gonna create a spit a lovely space where somebody can feel comfortable and then they've just got a bit too comfortable and you've got a bit grumbly um but that's not really the heart that God's asking for here he's saying offer hospitality and don't grumble because it's from love it's about reaching out to people where they're at 
So these scriptures really speak to me about kind of growing up in faith, leaving that immaturity behind. Um, I think we all need to remember that there is an urgency to the work that God is calling us into. And as a church, really to step up into that uh, maturity of faith. I remember uh, years ago, I used to teach A-level sociology and I would teach, um, I'd often set like research tasks, like group project tasks for, for kids. And um, so I'd try and get them to plan an essay, but do it as a presentation together. Now, 16, 17, 18 year olds, they can be amazing sometimes, but often they found it difficult to work with people who they didn't really get on with. Um, and it wasn't until they just sort of got over that that they could actually produce any work. And especially to a good standard. You know, if, if you're in a team and you're just squabbling and you can't get past barriers in that relationship, then you're not going to produce anything of a good standard. And uh, I think, you know, if... I think if... Um, you know, these scriptures are saying that it's so important. God's got such an important project for us as a church, as the national church, as the worldwide church. God's got an incredible project to transform the, the world, to transform people's lives. And we need to make sure we're putting aside these childish ideas, attitudes, to really step up to the challenge that God's giving us. I remember at one, at one particular foolish stage in life, um, I knew, I had this real awareness that God was inviting me into working with him. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I just chose to say, no, I'm not interested. And I walked away from the whole relationship with God. Now, I thank God and I praise him that he has so much grace for us and so much mercy that then he gives us um, more opportunities um, you know, which is, which is amazing. But I have to tell you, I am not willing to get in that position again. As soon as God is saying, Sarah, I've got, I've got a challenge I want to bring to you. I'm not backing away from that because what I walked away from before, I often look back and think, oh, what could have God, what would have, what could have, what would have God done if I'd behaved differently? You know, and actually for God, he can accomplish all of these things without me. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to lose that chance to be on that journey with God because nothing comes close. And you know, as a church, who else feels the same? It really feels like God is presenting us with an invitation to get on board with his process, his next stage. We don't want to lose out on that opportunity. We want to be getting on board with that. So maybe just be asking God, what is it you want me to, to leave behind? What attitudes maybe are holding us back? Let's jump in and love each other. And often, you know, love can uh, be prevented because of fears that we have, insecurities, negative experiences maybe that we've had in the past with relationships. But we know we're in the Father's hands we are so safe in his hands. And whatever fears we might have, whatever insecurities we have, if we're inviting God into our space, if we're accepting God's invitation into his space, he has us held in so much love. Let's not fear loving each other. 
Hospitality is about each one of us creating space for each other. So we don't need to share the same views, right? So it's not that we're going to become some sort of homogenous group where we're all actually the same person and we can all agree with each other. We're going to be different, right? So we're going to have different attitudes, different views about sport, um, different views about politics, even coffee. But, But as long as God's at the heart of it, you know, we all agree on God, We all agree on the most fundamental part of who we are and what we're about. So it allows the glory of God to just sweep through this place. And that's what it's about. Okay, so the last corner on this triangle is out. Now, the the first point I want to make on this actually joins up the two uh, in and out a little bit. So, Acts 28, verse 7 to 10. It's so hot. Okay. So, verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. So we're going to go straight on to the next one, which is 3 John 5 to 8. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Okay, so here we can see hospitality um, that was given to Paul in order to support his mission in that area. So the hospitality was more than just a bed to sleep in. Verse 10, so this was from the first, uh, from Acts 28, verse 10, talks of being honoured and blessed. So that experience will have definitely helped them in practical ways. But to have felt the love and protection of their father God when about his business will have inspired and encouraged them even more. So I know um, Ian and Katie Moore who... um, went over to Macedonia about a year and a bit ago, 29th of February, I remember the day. Um, they went out to be missionaries to Macedonia, and I know that they really appreciate all types of support that they get out there. Um, yeah, even the tea bag parcels are, are brilliant. But, you know, I know that what really encourages them and spurs them on is phone calls, it's messages, it's when they feel the heart of the church loving them and supporting them. And prayer is the biggest um, support that you can ever do for Ian and Katie or for any missionary who's out there. So it's about how do we create space in our lives to support people who are on mission. Um, And, you know, as we're stepping out to support, then the kingdom of God is being expanded. And also we know that when when it's our turn to step out into those uncertain times for God, that the church will be um, supporting us too. 
Luke 10 tells us the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, So Luke 10, 25 to 37, parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Just a side note for this one, we, this guy, all we know that he actually had was the denarii that he paid to the innkeeper and his donkeys you know that was he we don't know whether or not he had a nice house and he could have you know we don't know anything about what he had apart from what's in this story and you know what I'm trying to say is we don't need to have a home of our own we don't need to have cars to give lots of people lifts everywhere although that's an act of hospitality it's looking at what actually have I got what has God blessed me with and how can I create space in this for to bless somebody else but here what we see is Jesus teaching the love of God and the love of others is actually the key to salvation when we love God and we surrender to him he empowers us to love others so we're not loving remember because we're some sort of perfect people who can love people um, we're loving because Christ first loved us we're loving because the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives changes our hearts and gives us a a love for others. One key lesson we can take from the parable is that no one is outside of the remit for us to love. So remember John 3.16 said that Jesus died for whosoever. So are we willing to sort of look outside this church, look outside our family groups, our friendship groups, To love others like Christ loved us. It will make us feel scared at times. It might play on existing insecurities, anxieties. But the more that we do it, the more that we see that God steps into those moments. And amazing things happen. One of the things I was anxious about when I stepped up to lead green pastures was opening my home up to people who I might not know very well. And it was that possibility of being judged. You know, will people understand where I'm coming from, my situation? Um, I was concerned about not being very good at hosting meals. Um, but I have to tell you, since we stepped out, even though I felt all those things, since we stepped into that, 
It's amazing what God has transformed. So my husband's become a Christian. My children have encountered God in ways that I could have never imagined before. I've seen lives being transformed in my living room. It's it's amazing. God can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. Now, we have also had people who have come in, experienced God, and then walk away from God completely. And that's that's hard. Um, But, you know, as a family, we're not going to close our door because of some difficult experiences. We're going to keep inviting God in and keep inviting other people in because it's when we create a space for God to move and for people to encounter God that incredible things happen. Now, last Thursday, this last Thursday night at Missional Community, we were just worshipping God and, um, and I felt like he wanted me to remind us really that there is power in the presence of God and where he is is holy ground. And so when we praise God in our homes, in our cars, wherever we are, in our office, when we praise God, we're asking God to, to fill that space. There's power in that space because God is there. So then when we invite others into that space, real transformation can happen. So let's remind ourselves of what the Bible has taught us about hospitality. So first off, God does it for us and models the perfect way of creating space. We know that God commands us to show hospitality towards each other in the church. And that's for the good of the church as well as for us as individuals to be transformed and made new by God. We can see that hospitality is much more about the heart attitude than a matching dinner set. We're to love as Christ first loved us and allow God to work in the midst. We know that when we invite people into the presence of God, he takes over. We're to be real about who we are and why we follow Jesus and create a space for people to ask and explore. The truth of our saviour and the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in that place. I'm just going to show you really briefly now some um, some slides just to show you how um, how you could do hospitality. So this is only a few examples and it's just what works for us. And you guys need to just be asking God, you know, what space can I open up um, and communicate God's love to others? But these are some examples. So if you can do it. Yeah, so creating the opportunity to have a busy home and just allowing that to happen. Okay, next one. Looking after each other. So this could be in your home or it could be wherever you are in the workplace. Just looking after each other. Serving strangers. So as Green Pastures, we've done some sort of uh, missional activities like this. This was canoeing. Um, where we were trying to serve the community and provide a free family um, outing. Providing space to rest. How cute is that on my days? So Eddie fell asleep. Um, It doesn't have to be for children. (laughs) But the idea of just creating a space where people can come in and rest and they don't have to be anything or do anything other than just rest with God and providing that space. Squeezing in together. Whatever space you've got, God can use it. Okay, so this was our kids and their cousins squeezing onto the end of their auntie's dinner table. Doesn't have to be perfect. It's better when it's not, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike, that I just had to put that up. <laughs> yeah, be prepared for crazy things. <laughs> okay. 
enjoying conversation with each other, giving time, allowing space in your time to actually talk to each other. Yeah, coffee with this lady is always amazing. Do you know, just giving each other um, some space to meet up for coffee, it's great, you know, just being able to talk through what's going on in your life with somebody. And this lady, Maggie, is incredible. Alan, you're not bad yourself. Just saying. And do you know what? I have to say, when I came into church this morning, I went over to get a coffee, and John and Elaine were like, giving me big hugs, and I felt so loved. Um, it was just like a lovely moment, and I just thought, are we prepared for those moments? Just if somebody turns up, just to hug them, oh, you know, you're so welcome here. It's, it's just looking for those moments. Yeah, trying new ways to connect with God together. So when you're creating space, sometimes it's about just saying, do you know what? I haven't got a clue about this stuff, but let's try it together. Let's try and connect with God together. And the next one, getting along. When somebody's going through something rough, sometimes you just have to get on the floor with them and go through it with them together. And plus cute, right? Yeah, and give time to have fun together. This was just going out for a walk in the woods. In fact, I think it was more than that, wasn't it? But, okay, and then the last slide. Oh, yeah, be prepared for mess. I think it's the last one, the, the art, the picture. The next one, yeah, that one. Right, so if there's anything that you take from today... Take that hospitality is about your heart attitude of love and being prepared to be weak in front of others to create space for them to encounter God. And this is really an image for me that says, let's just pull together and do this together. This was God's plan. Let's get alongside God's plan. So it might be this morning that you actually want to make a stand and say, do you know, I need to really ask God to transform my heart. I know that I'm going about life doing my best, and you might be doing great, but you know that you've not really let the Holy Spirit transform your heart to love beyond measure, to love as Christ loved you. It might be that you want to make a stand and say, do you know what, I want to commit today to working with God, whatever he has. You know that song, I I say yes. I say yes to God. So whatever it is that he's inviting you into, whatever space he's got for you, you don't want to lose out on that opportunity today. You want to get on board with whatever God's got for you. So it might be that you want to really make a stand today and say yes to God. If there's any of those things, I'm just going to pray now for for all of this, but if there's anything that you want to respond to, you could come out for prayer. Um, and we'll pray with you. But I'm just going to pray now for us. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have so so much incredible love for us that we can never understand. Lord God, your invitation to us has no barrier. And Lord God, we just thank you for the testimony today of grace that you stepped in and transformed her pain into worship. And Lord God, we know that that is not exclusive. That God, you came for the whosoever. So God, if there's people here today who haven't yet experienced your love, God, I just pray now that, they, that you just work in their hearts and you help them to see the truth of who you are. And Lord God, for the rest of us, I just pray that you really move in our hearts. 
that you teach us to love as Christ first loved us. And Lord God, I just pray pray that you break down any um, fears and anxieties of creating an open space for you to move. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.